Welcome to Main Menu for the week of September 11 to September 17, 2015. I'm your host, David Tanner, and it's good to have you with us today. Thank you for coming, and we are glad that you are here, and hope that you enjoyed last week's program. Thank you, Larry Turnbull, Managing Director of ACB Radio, for setting in and hosting the program for me last week while I was on vacation. I'm sure that you enjoyed the program last week with an introduction to the first parts of new features for JAWS 17 and we'll be covering more of that upcoming in the next few weeks and we hope that you'll be here to hear that. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago you know that we covered the first part of the session by the Information Access Committee from ACB that was presented at the 2015 ACB Conference and Convention. And today we're going to cover the second part. We've tried to engineer this so that you will hear not only the presenters, but that you'll be able to hear people with questions and comments from the audience. And hopefully you will be able to get a lot of valuable information out of this presentation. Part of the presentation today will be a presentation on Apple Watch and demonstration and from a couple of Apple Watch users. And then Jeff Bishop will come along and he will give a short review of what's going on with Windows 10. And then we will hear the final part of the comments from Brian Charlson, the chair of the committee, about how you can help the committee to make sure that each and every blind and visually impaired person, including yourself, is getting the best access to information available to the public, and you can be a part of helping the committee do that. We're going to go ahead now and get into that presentation because it is quite long. You have a great week, and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu. I've asked Ms. Judy Dixon, who um, I'm embarrassed to say got her Apple Watch before I did. 60, 60, 100, 100, I, settings. <clears throat> I have to admit that, this, that uh, the Apple Watch was not one of those things that I pined after. My wife will tell you a different story, but it's absolutely true. I didn't pine after it at first because I couldn't imagine why with my phone sitting here in my shirt pocket and my wrist Mm, I've got fairly short arms, not that far away. Why would I need two devices when I could just use my phone for those things? Uh, however, again, because my, my, I make my living in access technology-related things, people were continuously asking me, how about the iPad, iPhone, how about the iPhone? I finally convinced my boss with a little grant money to sweeten the pot to get me one. So I got one, and I'm starting to use it, and I was back and forth on the phone to Judy, uh, because I know that she got hers and mine had yet to arrive and she got a chance to get hers up and running well before I got a chance to have mine. We both used a number of resources to get to where we are in terms of our knowledge of how to use these devices and that resource quite honestly comes under one name. David Woodridge. David Woodbridge. Name ring a bell to people in this room? 
amazing gentleman from Australia who's been creating podcasts. He's a regular contributor to ACB Radio's mainstream program, main menu rather program on ACB Radio Mainstream. Um, and it's been an amazing trip up to this point. Recently, I visited Judy at her home in uh, Arlington, Virginia, and we did things like walk around with our Apple Watches and uh, went to the local grocery store using apps to accomplish that marvelous task and utilize, and doing this strictly to test out where our Apple Watches could take us. So, Judy, could, would you mind? Do you have the portable mic with you? Yes. Okay. So I want you to tell you the story of where, how you came about getting this watch, why you got it, and those kind of things. Please. I never wanted a talking watch and uh, the, my <laughs> the, the when I first saw the Apple watch a, a lot of people ask me why did you get it and and I thought hard about why I, I don't have always have pockets um, being a woman I, my clothing doesn't always have pockets so my phone is often in a bag under zippers and who knows what so grabbing my phone isn't always the most convenient thing for me to do so having it just on my wrist is a major source of convenience but I, the real reason I got mine is because it has voiceover on it. Before the Apple Watch came out, there were a lot of rumors about how, people were pretty sure it was going to have voiceover, but how was it going to have voiceover? And there was a rumor that, well, we have to use the voice on the phone. Well, that's, I mean, that, what's the advantage of having a watch if you have to use the voice on the phone? But when it came out and I heard it and it had voiceover on it, I said, this is, you know, it, it has voiceover on it. How can I not? So I did order it a week or so. After it came out, I was, I actually went to the Apple store and took a good long look at the two sizes and several different models. It comes in a 38 millimeter and a 42 millimeter size. That's not, that's measured vertically and it's not very different. It's rectangular. So I was expecting it to be round. Aren't watches round? What what do I know? So it's a it's a almost a square but a slight rectangle and 38 and 42 are not that different and the reality is they're not that different. Um, I got the 38 um, and there's the sport edition which is about 350 dollars and then there's the Apple Watch which is 550 dollars for the 38 anyway and the difference is the sport is aluminum is lighter weight the Apple Watch is stainless steel and is heavier and then there's the really expensive ones that we don't even worry about talking about and so I got mine and and when you first get it one of the truths about the apple watch is you absolutely have to have an iphone and the iphone needs to be nearby for most things there's some things you can do where you can tell time you can actually play music without the if you have put the music i have 115 songs on my apple watch so i can actually listen to music without my phone being anywhere nearby but the reality of that doesn't happen very often anyway and the, the nice thing is when i'm at home if your watch you can't access wireless networks directly but you can, uh, if your Apple Watch and your phone are on the same wireless network, you can go farther away from your phone than just Bluetooth distance, and your watch will continue to work. So that, that works well in a place like home. It does not work at work, and I haven't figured out why, because we have wireless networks that are connected together by access points, but it somehow I think they've done some firewall thing on our access points because it doesn't work there. But basically, so, I mean, all... Voiceover users can set, um, what's it called, speak on, speak on rays or speak on wrist rays so that if you lift your wrist, a sighted person can just lift their wrist and, and they can, the watch comes alive and they can see it. And it is an option in voiceover to have speak on wrist rays. I don't know a single blind Apple Watch user who has their set that way. Everybody turns it off immediately because it would drive you nuts to have this thing. Every time, you, every time you're typing, it's trying to talk to you. So, I mean, I don't... I, but all you have to do is tap it once. Do 
Now, I have it coming through a Jambox, so it will be a little slow. You can pair Bluetooth speakers and Bluetooth earpieces to it. Um, and in just a second, you're going to hear a little click because it, it turns itself off when it's uh, there. It, it, there was a little click. So when you first touch it, and it says the time, you are on what they call the watch face. And there are 10 different choices of watch face. I have modular. You can have a Mickey Mouse watch. You can have one that tells you different uh, astronomical things. And you can modular. You have choices of which things. I think there's five things on my watch face. Let's see what it says. I'm going to go left first. I have 66% battery power. It's been on my wrist since 5 o'clock this morning. So there's a status bar all the way to the left. It's telling me I have some unread notifications. If I was too far from my phone, that would say disconnected. So that's... That's my calendar. My calendar, that complication on the watch face always tells me what is next. I'm in the elevator and I'm thinking, oh, where's that? What room was that foolish meeting in? I don't remember. All I had to do was touch my watch and it told me what room it was in. 90 degrees out. I have weather in my, and I can double tap to double tap to open weather. It's, it's 7.36 a.m. in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, I have a world clock entry on my and the sun will set at 8.37. These are things, these are things you need to know. You know? <laughs> So that is, that, that is the watch face. Now, from the watch face, you have three different places you can go. You can do a two-finger swipe down. Notification center. And go into... 935, I don't know what's in here. <laughs> so you can go to the notification center. That was a credit card charge for the, for the cab I took from the airport because I get a text every time my credit card gets charged. You can do a two-finger swipe up to get to glances. I have not found glances, for the most part, to be all that useful. Um, I think I have three or four glances. It's, you, you do a two-finger swipe left and right to go move among them. But uh, glances are like little applications can have um, kind of little versions of themselves. Well, this is the settings glance, and uh, it, timed out. it times out quickly. One of, the, one of the things I hope they change about the Apple Watch is, is having a little bit longer timeout. So in the settings glance, in the, oh, hush. Um, in the settings glance, you can uh, do the things they think you might want to do most frequently. I'm going to show you my absolute favorite thing about the Apple Watch. What it's trying to say there is ping, ping, ping iPhone. Here we go. Oh, there's my phone right there. <laughs> I do this about ten times a day. I ping my phone, and you can wherever it is, even if it's even if it's plugged in, even if headphones are in it, anything, it will ping out loud. And uh, I love being able to ping. I used to go grab a Bluetooth keyboard, turn it on, and do quick nav on, quick nav off to get my phone to talk, so I could walk around the house and find it. Yes. <laughs> but now, I mean, it's, some people call their phones, but I. I uh, that means, that means finding another phone. I was used to get a Bluetooth keyboard because then I could walk around the house with it. But I really like being able to ping my phone. So, so, you, can, so you have uh, notification center, two fingers down. You have glances, two fingers swipe up. It's timed out again. And 
if you yeah. on the right side of the watch you can actually configure it so it can be on the left side if you want you can also configure it so you can wear it on your left wrist or right right wrist all these uh, flicking and so forth all go still in the right direction but on the right side of the watch there are two buttons one is round and they call it the um, what do they call this thing stem uh, no what's this called crown crown thank you <laughs> the digital crown and um, so if you press the digital crown oh. Oh. You go to the watch's home screen, and this is basically where all the apps are. And yeah, I mean, I have an Apple Watch part of... Apple does not allow native Apple Watch apps right now. They're all extensions of apps that you have on your phone. And so I have around me messages. I can actually... Um, Fantastical. Fantastical is a calendar app Alarm. settings, and this settings has a lot more stuff in it. You can... Receive phone calls. Message. And that actually works fa- fairly well. Um, I never make phone calls. I think so. CNN. Dark Sky, I can get the CNN, we can get the headlines. We can go into the CNN app. CNN app. And it does a lot of activity. It's a nag. It, it, ten minutes before every hour, it pings you and says, move, stand up, walk around a little. <laughs> and uh, the activity app is... Uh, has a lot of functions in it, and you can find out how many steps you walk today and, and lots of other things. Okay. Oh, I have a Sonos system, and Sonos hasn't chosen to have an Apple Watch component to its app, but there's a, um, another one called Zoneplay that does have an Apple Watch, so I can actually uh, find out what's playing on any of my Sonos speakers and turn them up and down and do all kinds of cool things. Yeah, it's great. We're I, it, I don't even know what's in workout. <laughs> <laughs> I have never run that app. <laughs> it's way too scary. You can use it the remote. It's cool. You can use that as a remote for your Apple TV, and, and that's quite fun. You know, because it's just always with you. It's always on your arm. And uh, timer. It also has Siri on it. So, so from any point, I can hold in the digital crown, send Brian Charleston a message, and ask him, are we having fun yet? Question mark. This is the downside of using a Bluetooth speaker. Um, there. I got to double tap on that one. Launching messages. Messages. New message. I just sent it. And uh, if I wasn't using a Bluetooth speaker, that process actually would be... And Brian didn't have so many phone numbers. That process would be quite quick. Did you get a message, Brian? Uh, I got one from Vicky. No, just now. I just, I'm just telling you, I just got a call from Vicky Vogel, oh. so I'm pretty sure it wasn't you. <laughs> I just I just sent you a text. Okay, let me take a look here. I'm going to turn my Bluetooth earpiece on. My phone. Oh, there, there, there. He just oh. got the being on his, on his. It had to go, you know, all the way to Washington and Boston and travel around Let's the country a bit. 240, 215 to 5 p.m. 411, 244 p.m. 215 to 5 p.m. 90 degrees. You'll notice Brian's calendar says 215 to 5 p.m. And Mom said 154. I can actually tell you the reason for that. Anybody wants to know. So. Now it's time zone support. 
2.45 p.m. Right. I, I don't have that switch on. And I do. And she does. So it automatically did that one-hour time shift uh, business. So it did ping, but because I touched the microphone with it, I think I tapped it, and the message went away, because it's not on here right now. 2.45 p.m., 4 to 7 p.m., 90 degrees, Saturday. I have, a, I have a handout that I made, and um, I have print and braille copies. That um, The handout is called Apple Watch, and it says seven apps worth watching. It'll tell you about seven, some of my favorite apps. I do. Fantastical, Overcast, Dark Sky, Around Me, CNN. And then the other thing this handout has on it is the information about where to get all the stuff from David Woodbridge's pod. He has a blog that has links to his podcast. He also has a whole section about um, apps that work well with the Apple Watch and and all that. The Apple Watch, um, how should we do this? When we're done, yes. Yeah, yeah. That would be best, I think. I think so, too. Um, there's another app on here called Simple Mic, Simple M-I-C for microphone. And you can just make a recording on your watch, and it shows up on your phone. So that's, that's very convenient. We want to just take a quick note and things like that. Um, well, that's, that's a good quote. Well, for, and for everybody, oh, it's right here, and, and for everybody else. It is... I can only read. You're going to read it the URL? Word. I'm reading upside down. It is one word. And tile is on here. Um, anybody know about tiles? Tiles are these little kind of one-inch square things that work with your iPhone. And they, um, you just say find and you tap on find and it, the tile emits a sound wherever it is. So it's good. We use it um, for our rubbish bins on rubbish day. When the truck comes along and grabs the big rubbish bin and the recycle bin, and when they put it back down, I think they drive down the street for a while or drive around town or do something because they put it back down in a totally different place than where they picked it up. And we used to go out under the cover of darkness and, you know, wave a cane around just to... <laughs> Eric's in here saying this is what he does, too. He lives in the same town that I do, so we must have the same rubbish guys. So now I just put tiles on the handles of the rubbish bins, and uh, Wednesday night I just take my watch and run tile and go out and make the rubbish bins bing, and it's so nice. It's just great. So one of, the, one of the things for me that I wanted to get one of these for, and by the way, I apologize, I wasn't up here. I was in the audience showing everybody what one physically looked like. If you still, after this presentation, haven't had a chance to actually grow up one out, please uh, come forward and, and be happy to let you see what one of these looks like. Judy has the smaller version. What, what how many yeah, millimeters? I have, a, I have the 38 and Brian has the 42. The 42. We both have the Melanie's Loop band, um, the sport watch. I think, Jeff, you have sport? I have sport. Yes, yeah, so you have the Florilastomore band. Florilastomore. I love, I love saying that word. <laughs> Um, I think I think it means plastic. <laughs> hey, don't don't don't, 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 don't <laughs> Oh, sorry, it's gorgeous. They come in beautiful colors. They do, and and, and the and the bands, by the way, remove <laughs> the bands remove quite easily from the watch when you want them to. They don't accidentally do it, but they're really easy to swap out one band for another. Um, keep in mind, though, that if you have the um, thirty-eight, yes, versus the forty-two. The band widths are not the same. Yeah, you have to get a band that's specific to the your to watch. To the width of your watch, size of your watch. If you think that you can use the 42, then you, you know, versus the 38, you should. Better battery life. But it's bigger. But it's bigger. But it's bigger. So the other one is more ladylike. I'm actually, I'm actually not having any problem with battery life at all. As you, as you could see, I still have over 60%. Most, most nights. Mine's 84. I've got it on since 5. 
Yeah, and, and mine's 60. But I mean, the day is only so long, and I tried it every night. And uh, so it's not a problem. One thing is you can, you can do screen curtain on the Apple Watch, and I found that helps quite a lot. Um, and I do use screen curtain. And the other thing is there's another kind of navigation that I haven't used too much, but I got people who use it do like it. There's something called digital crown navigation. And when you uh, have the watch up, you can... Oh, my watch is telling me to stand. Yeah, it does monitor. All of our watches up here beeped and are telling us to are telling us to stand. So, um, but you can do digital crown navigation if you do a two finger triple tap. <laughs> now it says crown navigation off, and all I have to do is rotate the digital crown, and it goes among whatever the elements are on the screen at a particular moment. Um, for people who don't like tapping or flick, people who don't like flicking, this is a good thing. Well, we were talking, Brian was telling you about us using it with maps. It's really fun because it makes the sound of blinker sound like a car's blinker. Um, and, it, and it beeps faster, it puts more beeps in when you're going to do a right turn than when you're going to do a left turn. So the scenario that we did, we were sitting in Judy's kitchen and we said, uh, I want to walk to Safeway. I want to walk to Safeway. And it looked it up and found out where the nearest Safeway was and logged a, a path from where we were to where we wanted to go. And we tapped the start button on screen, got up and... This is all with the phone. Stepped outside. That part was all with the phone. Got outside, crossed the street, turned right to the first intersection we were coming to. And about 20 feet before the intersection, uh, we were going to take a left turn. And a left turn would have been what... Uh, it's six, six tap, double, taps. double taps. Six double taps on your wrist. So it feels like, not, not like, you know, if you ever went to Catholic school, we're not talking wrist wrapping kind of experience, okay? We're talking about very light tap, but certainly enough that you didn't mistake it for something else. The right? variety of vibrations and taps that this thing has are just amazing. Oh, I, I haven't, I don't think we've even experienced all of them yet, but all different apps and things have different vibrations. It's quite amazing. Oh. So left tap with three, with six double taps, right turn was 12 single taps. So it takes about the same amount of time, but you get that gap in between, and you could really tell the difference between the two. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, somebody's getting a text. Also, yes. It also does this when driving. Yes. We, we drove from Arizona to Texas, and so that was very amusing to constantly getting you know, little taps on my wrist because we used. You know, I use Apple Maps, Carrie uses Google Maps, and we compare because we've heard some people say Google Maps. It's up on the mic. Oh. Okay. Uh, we, uh, we decided that we would do a test to find out what map platform was better because we keep hearing that, you know, Google is so much better and Apple is horrible as far as map is concerned. And we will tell you that uh, Google Maps got us lost. We went in circles for quite a long time, whereas Apple Maps got us right here. So it wasn't happy times. But uh, I will say that the little taps that you get for turning left and right, those happen in cars too. So if you're uh, turning on GPS and watching your cab driver take you somewhere, your watch will, will also uh, do the same thing. They don't have watch components yet. I don't know of any blindness-specific GPS app that does. One, but if you know the programmers, please tell them to make it happen. One of the other things you can do with a watch, if, remember I said there were two buttons? Um, there's, a, the, there's a long button on the, on the side of the watch that officially is called the side button. Uh, David Woodbridge calls it the friends button. And if you tap it once, it will, it will bring up... Your friends. I guess my best friend is my husband, Doug, because that was his name it just spoke. And you can... Let's send Doug. Doug. Um, 
Double tap to interact with Doug. Double tap to interact with Doug. Well, he's in Arlington, Virginia. This will be difficult. I could call Doug. Or I can have a digital touch. And I'm going to do that. So if I double tap on digital touch, I can I can do a sketch. I can hold down two fingers, just place them lightly on the watch, and I will all of a sudden start to feel... I don't think it's actually my, my heartbeat. I think it's just your generic heartbeat. It's always a little tricky. To, there it goes. There it goes. Okay. So, so you're uh, feeling the vibration yes, of your fingertips. I'm feeling it in my fingertips. And supposedly <laughs> your friend is feeling it on their wrist. And uh, as soon as she says it, yes. Yeah. But that doesn't work when it's over. Okay. You can't fight back. Don't have to draw. And you can also just send taps. You can just tap, 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 tap. And they get. Now we we have tried, and David Woodbridge says this works for him. I. Don't. I wish you'd do a podcast on it because we have tried. David, if you're listening to this, please do a podcast on on uh, tapping and stuff because uh, we have tried sending patterns. They don't arrive in the same pattern no, that we sent them. And they don't react the same way as your taps. They they don't, and they're and they're almost imperceptible. And you can vary the intensity of the vibration on the watch. You can set, and we have it set a max. And uh, I, those taps are almost not noticeable. I think that's an area that needs some work. I wonder if that's a voiceover issue. I don't know. Because, it, you know, the taps are interacting with me on the watch. But the heartbeat is very cool. Because yeah. it really feels like a heartbeat, and it's quite strong. I was walking down the hall one day at work, and all of a sudden I got a heartbeat on my arm. Whoa! You know, <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite startling. And Doug had done that? Um, actually, Marlena. Marlena sent it to me. <laughs> oh, watch out for Marlena. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. She's on the French list. All right. So, that's- so, we're open to questions. Any questions about what we've covered or what we haven't covered here? Go ahead. Ah, very good. She puts it in the same place that we would give ourselves insulin. There we go. There we go. Thank you very much. So when she's using the uh, the remote device, she attaches it to her abdomen. I can't say that very fast. So any other questions dealing with the Apple Watch at this point? There are other opportunities, by the way, here at the conference dealing with Apple Watch. If you look around in the program, you'll find the word mentioned more than once. If, if you feel the need to rush to the door, sure. So... We're going to take a five-minute break. If you haven't seen an Apple Watch, I'll be right in front of the podium right here. And you can come up here, and Judy will give you one of her lovely handouts. I have large print and braille. Five-minute break. Okay, everything's gotten quiet, and that's just the time to start rattling the cage a bit. Uh, the final sequence here in information 411, I actually started within my initial conversation with you about what the Information Access Committee is attempting to do. Uh, to reiterate, we've also started a friends list, and you'll be seeing an article in the Braille Forum where we, the committee, ask the membership to tell us what's going wrong out there. The committee is relatively small compared to the entire organization, you know, one member per thousand. So there's a, clearly, we can't be fully representative of our membership when we have a constituency, each of us, of about a thousand individuals. How do you communicate with this? Do it through the friends list. But until the friends list is up and going, I want to offer up my own email address. Very simple. Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot charlson c-h-a-r-l-s-o-n that's a word you'll see in the forum a lot at carol c-a-r-r-o-l-l dot o-r-g ryan dot charlson at carol dot org and i will pass along any kinds of comments you have please mention in the subject line information access so that i know that it's not associated with my work activity but with my acb activities 
We put in the program that the third and final component was going to be an opportunity for us to discuss the most effective way to affect change, which is complaining. One needs to complain. And so we're lucky enough to have Mr. Eric Bridges here, who is the one who does all that hobnobbing with federal officials, not just selective, but also those who work in federal agencies that have an impact on the things that matter to us. Do you want to talk Windows too? Yeah. Yeah, I keep forgetting about that. I have just been reminded that there was an important thing I asked Jeff to do for us today, and I failed to discuss it before I went on break. So... With your tolerance for a moment, please, I'm going to ask Jeff, Jeff to report to you a bit on something called Windows 10. Thank you, Brian. Well, as we know, Windows 10, if you don't know, Windows 10 is coming out uh, July 29th, the day before my birthday. We didn't know that. So send gifts to Brian and he can pass them on to me. Uh, <laughs> what, Larry? Two days before Right, so send gifts to Larry and me. We would love those. Um, so I guess the real first question is, should everyone upgrade to Windows 10? Should you upgrade? Okay. Let me give you some advice on this. Um, I will tell you what Microsoft's official position is, and then we'll give you some uh, general advice on this. So it's coming out July 29th. You will have a year from the release of Windows 10 to upgrade for free, whether you're on Windows 7, Windows 8, or Windows 8.1. And um, Microsoft says right now that... There are a few caveats that you should consider before performing your upgrade. The first thing is to check with your AT provider and find out any caveats that may exist as far as doing your upgrade. For example, JAWS uh, Freedom Scientific just put out a JAWS update a couple of days before convention got started, which supports Windows 10. So you're going to need to make sure that you're on that latest build. Other AT vendors should be coming out with releases prior to the 29th that will also support Windows 10. So check with your AT provider. Microsoft also says if you have a secondary computer, they really probably would suggest that you put it on that first, meaning you, you know, don't use your primary computer at this point. Uh, if, if you don't, then go ahead and do the upgrade. Secondly, things are a little bit edgy with Windows 10, and, and that's because the browser is now called Edge. And the reason they're edgy is because Edge is not accessible right now. So one of the first things that you're going to need to do is you're going to need to switch the browser to Internet Explorer. And we'll try to put out some information for you, and your AT providers will be doing the same thing as well on ways of, of doing that. Um, the third thing is that they want to make sure that you install Adobe Acrobat Reader because using the native Adobe Reader or PDF support in Windows 10 is not accessible. Okay? And the last one, which really kind of upsets me as far as just the fact that it's not accessible, is they're telling everyone that if you need an email client, that you need to install Outlook, which means you need to either buy a copy of Outlook outright or buy a copy of Office. Um, the native email client that will ship with Windows 10 will not be accessible according to Microsoft. So those are the things that were brought up to us to share with you. There was also a blog post published by Microsoft by Rob Sinclair specifically on Friday afternoon, late Friday afternoon, so you can find it there as well. And this, it also documents these things there too. My general advice to you is that if you have a reason to upgrade to Windows 10 and you feel that you absolutely want to do that, then just be aware of these things. Otherwise, stay tuned. You have a year to take advantage of that free upgrade. You don't have to do it on July 30th. Take some time, wait for your AT vendor to sort of catch up, let them put out a couple of bug fix releases, maybe update in October, November, or even January of next year. You, there's no reason to do it right away, all right? Yes? What happens if you close the button? What if you what? Oh, it says get Windows 10. So what? So basically, okay, it'll automatically install on 529. So I did that. 
Well, that's very interesting. So this get Windows 10 thing, my understanding is that what's going to happen is that if you have requested it, there's an icon that will appear in your system tray for Windows 7, Windows 8, and Windows 8.1 users that says get Windows 10. And you select this, and it says, okay, then you're ready, and, and we'll let you know when it's time to do the upgrade. So what will happen, probably July 25th, 26th, 27th, something like that is what people are guessing, is that Microsoft will start pushing this code to you, start having it download the actual software for you. But I don't think it's going to automatically start the process, and you know, I, 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 uh, will, I'm pretty confident you're not going to be forced into Windows 10, even if you have selected that option from the Get Windows 10 uh, icon in the system tray. So it's okay if you've already done that. Just uh, be aware that it, when it does come up and it tells you it's time to run the setup, that you can cancel out of that. And if I'm wrong about that, uh, I'm sorry about that. We don't have final product, but I don't. Microsoft has never done that in a major system upgrade before, so I, I, I very seriously doubt they're going to do that here. Any other questions? Thank you. And again, you can tell that ACB is monitoring what's happening at Microsoft. Again, we're going to have a presentation here at the convention um, so that the entire convention can be aware of what the current state of affairs, and that will be on Wednesday morning, so be there, um, and you'll get a chance to hear it straight from uh, Microsoft's mouth. Okay, so I'm going to go back to this issue of how to affect change by way of complaint. Now, we're here talking about information access, but the same thing holds true for anything in any of the activities where you're unhappy with and feel that there is some form of wrongdoing going on, either what a friend of mine calls sins of omission or sins of commission. They either did something wrong or they didn't do something they should have done. In both of those cases... For the entities that are responsible for enforcing rules, regulations, laws, they need you to complain. Now, we use the term file complaints because there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. One of my biggest concerns in ACB has been the people we complain to the most are the people who are complaining. We complain to one another. And unless one of our members are the persons responsible for enforcement, we're complaining to the wrong people. It's good to let others know through social networks and the like, ACB lists, friends, all that kind of thing, that you're having trouble in a certain area so that if other people in your network know Contrary to your experience that something is working, but that perhaps you don't know how to work the correct way of making something happen, that you can avoid, you know, going through the whole process of sending a complaint only to find out your complaint was invalid. So it's good to talk to people. Also good to see whether or not um, other people in your acquaintance have the same concerns you do so that you can work together to file the necessary complaints to attempt to correct the problem. But again, if we only talk to one another, we have not succeeded. We've not set the, the world straight. Uh, Eric, do you have the microphone? Yeah. Good. So, Eric, when you talk to people at Justice, and I'm talking about the Federal Department of Justice, how often do they hear from blind people officially uh, complaining about things as compared to, say, other disabilities? Not nearly enough. And, in fact, it's not just the Department of Justice. It's also the Federal Communications Commission um, and, at times, the Department of Education as well. So it's... We don't like to complain. We like to solve problems as a community, right? Which means sometimes, unfortunately, we're not solving problems. We're just doing workarounds to get through our day, which, like, our community has an incredible amount of ingenuity. <laughs> and, and we're an exceedingly patient folk. Um, these are good traits sometimes. Other times, they're really not. They're not helpful. Um, 
And you know, to the degree that, that, that you're able to work with a company to try and resolve a problem, that's fine. But when a problem isn't able to be resolved, please don't just throw up your hands and you know, attempt to forget about the negative experience. I know that all of us have uh, long days, bad days, and we just don't want to have to deal with the issue anymore sometimes, right? Sort of picking your battles, I guess, is what I'm attempting to, to convey here. And that is, please let us know when there's something that's, that's gone wrong that you've attempted to resolve the issue and it's not resolved. Don't let it slip through the cracks. Don't just say, well, the hell with that. <laughs> um, we want to know about it because we want to help. And, you know, the Department of Justice has ADA.gov, which is a really useful website um, for, you know, things like public accommodations and guide dog issues and, and other issues uh, perhaps pertaining to, to technology. The FCC has FCC.gov, and there's a complaint process there. Although what I would do, if, if there are aspects of technologies that would be covered by CBAA, be they wireless, uh, smartphones, tablets, uh, things of that nature, uh, emergency alerts, um, instead of going directly to the FCC, um, although you're, you're more than uh, you know, able to do that, please reach out to me. My email is ebridges at acb.org, and my phone number is area code 202-467-5081. I'd like to hear about it, because um, we know folks at the FCC, and we can guarantee that, that your complaint would be, would be read and would be acted upon. And uh, so please just take that into, to, to heart. Um, as a community, we, we put up with a lot. Only recently have we become, begun to be more comfortable with expressing our displeasure in public about... Uh, technologies that are not accessible to us. I think part of the reason why we're, we're doing a little bit better these days is that there are laws that we helped to get passed that will enforce some of the accessibility that we've been looking for for a very long time, and, and there's accessibility out there that we haven't seen really ever before. So things are, things are moving in the right direction, but there are always challenges, and there are persistent challenges that we face um, with regard to technology and accessing technology. Accessing really cool, hip, sexy, generation one type technology. And, uh, you know, the Apple Watch is a really cool thing, but there's a lot of other technologies that are out there that are, that are pretty neat that we simply don't have equal access to. And we want to hear about it. So, <clears throat> complaining. Step one is keep a log. Document the problem. If you say that your cable service provider failed to pass through the audio description track of NCAIS on Thursday, then take out your note taker, write down on Thursday, at thus and such an hour, at thus and such channel, thus and such a program was being broadcast. It is typically broadcast with audio description, but on this night, this episode, it wasn't. And create that documentation of your complaint. Believe me, a complaint that says they're never throwing, putting through the audio description, it's almost impossible for the body that you send the complaint to to act upon. It needs to have some specificity. If it's a device, make, model, that kind of information, an important part of the process. When did you get it? Where did you get it from? How much did it cost you? What were you attempting to do when it failed to do what you expected it to do and that you should have been able to expect it to do? You write those things down as close to the time as you experience them as possible so that there's that validity. You know, if we were talking about, uh, speaking of NCIS, if we were talking about keeping track of the evidence, right? You have to have a clear uh, list of where that's been, what happened. We need to do the same kind of thing. You know, people who complain say, it just doesn't work. 
they're not really becoming part of the solution. The solution is, requires that we have that level of documenting our own experience. If you got receipts, you keep the receipts. If you got a bill, you keep a copy of that bill. Whatever it might be that further documents the experience that you've been having. Eric is absolutely right. It's not a particularly effective um, when you've joined ACB and are, consider yourself a member of ACB to complain and not CC Mr. Ebridges at ACB.org. Ebridges at ACB.org. Even if he's not in a position to act upon it now, he, like the Department of Justice, is looking for a pattern out there of what's going on. If people are having a real problem with a specific, oh, I don't know, um, HMO system and members having access to their medical information yeah. that they've been cited they could access. Or with Greyhound's website. Or with Greyhound's website. Whatever it might be, whatever part is your particular stumble point out there, CC eBridges at ACB.org so that he's aware of the problems that you're having. By CCing him, he gets all the data that, that some other entity gets. And you can also send them your complaint and say, where else could I send this? He'd be happy to respond to that kind of a question. There's few things more frustrating for a person in Eric's position than to go advocate for something only to have the entity that he's advocating through, FCC, whatever, say, nobody's complaining to us. You say it's important. You say you have, you know, these tens of thousands of members, but nobody's complaining to us. So we only have so many hours in the day, so we're going to take those things that we get a lot of complaints about. And unfortunately, this is what we hear a lot when we go and advocate um, within agencies that do these kind of things. I want to turn the tables for a moment and talk to, and have you guys talk to us a bit. When you've attempted to document something, what kind of barriers are you running into in the complaint process? Any websites you were directed at to do your complaint and you found them to be inaccessible? That would be an example. I have an issue with Apple and Apple and HumanWare. And everything, and they said it's Seymour's problem. Seymour says it's Apple's problem. And my thinking is you guys, but the children, learn how to play the game, grow up, grow up here, and do your job. So you're attempting to use a refreshable braille display from HIMSS with your Apple device. No, from Humanware. I mean, with your Apple device, right. and, and, and things aren't working the way they're supposed to, and HIMSS is blaming Apple, and Apple's blaming HIMSS. Right. Uh, is blaming Apple. I keep doing that. I'm sorry, my friends at Hims. I'm going out to dinner with them tonight, so I got Hims on the mic. So my thinking is, Apple is a big company. It's their responsibility. So I know, and, and I again, if you've written either of those complaints, then CC E Bridges. He, he keeps folders full of emails with that kind of stuff in it, um, so that the next time he's in contact with one of the companies, he can say, "I have a member, or I have a, a number of members who have complained about a given thing." I would say, when it comes to refreshable braille displays and their interface with iOS devices, um, we have similar kinds of concerns where they you interface with um, other systems. Um, you may recall, not too many years ago, Freedom Scientific threw their hands up and said, "You know, you refreshable braille manufacturers, you've got to send us drivers that work. You can't expect us to write your drivers for you." And big bra brouhaha resulted from that. But I don't think the work's done. I think that we we do have a right to expect these devices and these companies to interact with one another. Did you get the latest firmware update for your real display? Yeah, it's working better, but. I have to, a lot of times I have to uh, press the core dot four five and, and turn on the uh, what they call it, uh, turn it off, and then that seems, it seems to be working pretty well now. Because um, there was a major update. Yeah, but it's not perfect. 
It's, it's got some, some shortcomings, and we need to hear about those as they occur. Other questions, other experiences people have been having? Any good stories? I complained about this and something happened in a positive way. Is there anybody out there? <laughs> so what, if you were to say that, well, I'm going to tell you my brief story here. I realize that whenever I Google something, if I don't find what I'm looking for, or if I find the website to be difficult to navigate in terms of it's not being particularly accessible, I will dump that one and go to the next hit and the next hit and the next hit and the next hit until I finally find the piece of information or the source for something that I'm looking for that plays nice. And I'll finish that transaction. And what I won't do, and I should, is back up to those nine hits that were not effective and that they were not effective, not because they didn't have what I'm looking for, but because I couldn't navigate those pages properly for lack of accessibility. When we talk, and Jeff, you probably could speak to this, when we find apps on the iPhone that don't work very well, um, our first inclination is to see if there is an app out there that does work well. But when I talk, and I wish I had let Judy get out of here, she, she's had a great deal of success working with companies. When the app doesn't work, she sends them a note. She probably sends five notes a day to companies. Let's talk about a real good example of this and, and really had a tremendous outcome. So there was an app on the App Store released a few months ago called Workflow. How many of you have it? Workflow. Yeah. So Workflow, when it first came out, had quite a number of issues in, as far as accessibility is concerned. didn't work very well. So a number of us contacted them and said, you know, this is a, a really cool app. It allows you to automate tasks and do really cool things, you know, uh, automatically. We would love to be able to use this app with VoiceOver. And it had a very, very interesting interface where you had to drag and drop things through the interface to get it to work. So the, so the vendor was really excited about changing it for voiceover, and they did. And at uh, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference this year, they received an accessibility award by Apple for their tremendous work. So even Apple is watching. So you know, this is a, don't hesitate to reach out to app developers and you know, tell them your app's not working or offer them suggestions. I guess our problem is that we do that, it's always one thing we respond and we get something better. Right, right. So I'm not suggesting to you sure. that you not go on to that next app, but take a moment to communicate with the app you wish you could have used, the website you wished you could have used, and let them know that you are a blind customer who wanted access to certain things, and unfortunately you had to not do it through them because they had accessibility problems. We are going to be sending out uh, from the committee a um, process that you can send out two developers of iOS apps that will help them test their product's accessibility. And trust me, it'll make the point. Most app developers do not even know that VoiceOver exists or Zoom or any of the accessibility features, regardless of whether or not they've even looked at the API. So it's, you know, it just takes a little bit of educating. And once they get it, the time to implementation is very, very short. Go take a look. If you, if you want to look at something really interesting, download the, WW, the WWDC app from Apple. It's free. And look at the accessibility sessions at this year's conference. The Apple engineer took an earthquake app. It was an app that showed graphs of information about specific earthquakes. And the app, when he first started, was completely inaccessible. And within about 20 minutes, the app was fully usable by VoiceOver. So it doesn't take long to make the right changes inside of your application to make it accessible. So, you know, the, the API, is, API is there to make it happen. And developers just need to be made aware that we exist as far as a community, as far as users, and that these specific features and, and pieces of functionality exist inside of the platform. So let me give a, ask you a question, Jeff. Go ahead, please. I have a question because 
this I saw the email on, which is really interesting because I have a situation, and I was hoping to talk to Chase. I, I um, volunteered for their focus group, but I, I don't know if I'll get into one of them, but I am on the Chase panel. And the Chase panel is, it's not Chase, it's a third party organization. And what they do is they, um, they have different surveys that you said they send you, and they ask different things about how would you like this, or you know, would it be good. They don't share your information. They put it into a bunch of information and then look at it all together. But the interesting thing was that being on the Chase panel has been interesting, and I wanted to be there because I was visually impaired, and I did use voiceover, and I am using voiceover now with the Mac, and um, I wanted to be a part of that and see what I thought. And I found that there's a couple things that have happened. Um, number one, some of them have come up, and they'll show you an image of something. And then they'll say, what do you think of that? What was that? What did you show me? So then, a couple of weeks ago, I got uh, another thing that Chase Panel wants help. But I'm glad I'm in to help you, so I, I signed it and did, started doing something. And I got down a bunch of checkboxes, and everything was working really well for a while. And then all of a sudden, I got to the next thing, and all of a sudden, I could not follow it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't work with it. I finally said, heck, what's going on here? I'm not getting anywhere. I called Apple. I called Apple, Apple Care. And I said, hey, can you take a look at this page and see why I can't do what this is asking me to do? And they looked at it. They, they got on the screen with me and they did the tandem thing and got on the screen with me so they could see my screen and see what I was doing and, and walk with me. And they said, you need to write back to this company because they broke the functionality of voiceover was the programming that they did on this page. I would never get through the rest of this page and the rest of the survey. I couldn't complete it because they broke it. That brings up that brings up a really good point. Both Apple and Microsoft have accessibility answer desks, um, and you get direct to senior level engineers at both companies that are aware of VoiceOver, both on the Mac and on iOS, and aware of screen readers on Windows, and they're very, very good. They are. They're, they're, so they're, take advantage of that stuff. And they just walked me through and said that you need to contact them until they grow the functionality. The other thing I've had some issues with, and again um, with, with VoiceOver recently. Um, I have a big issue with Amazon right now. I don't know how many people talk to Amazon, but I'm so mad. I won't buy anything from them. I mean, I won't spend a penny over there. But I've had issues with them, and I've called them back numerous times, and my issue isn't fixed. Your issue what? My issue isn't fixed. Isn't fixed. No. And it's with the Amazon company or accessibility of the app or what? Well, the website. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a little bit about what's going on. That's one of the fun things. I've got a couple of different things going on. But um, I wanted to buy something, mm-hmm. and I actually got my associate site. And I wanted to buy something on my site, and I couldn't buy it because I got someone to choose how many he wanted, and there was no checkboxes and pop-up boxes. Well, I sat did research one night and said, okay, I'm going to dump my site away. I don't care about that. I'm going to the regular Amazon site to see if I can buy this thing. I couldn't buy it on the regular Amazon site, so I started looking around. And Amazon site has an accessibility thing. I said, well, let's go read the accessibility stuff. So I read read the accessibility site. And there is an Amazon part at Amazon.com, I think it's forward slash access. And it is accessible. So, but then I said, I have an issue with why I need to change my password, okay? So I get on the Amazon, and I go to change my password. I got the day, I get at the right spot, I get everything filled in. At the bottom, there's a cap, okay? But it says if you're visually impaired, click here. I clicked. I went back to the front page and rolled it around and went, and never could get anywhere. So I called Amazon, and I started writing it up. And they said, no, I'm going around the circles. And I still haven't gotten an answer, anything that's suitable from them, because I can't. I, there's no audible captcha. There's no anything that's understandable. There's nothing to fill in. They're on the round circle show. So those are exactly the kinds of things your information access committee wants to hear. So who, 
we will, we, so again, brian.charlson at carol.org. Send that with the subject line information access, and I will forward it to the committee. We will do some research as a committee on that kind of a problem, the issue of trying to do a transaction, hitting the CAPTCHA, don't we all love CAPTCHA, hitting the CAPTCHA scenario, tapping on the if you're a blind person, and seeing if we can figure out whether or not they're following proper procedure from that point forward. We are working, as Eric would tell you, with the fine folks at uh, Google, dealing with Google captures. Uh, so the captures by no means are, have gone away. Uh, this is one of those things where, you know, as the American society gets older, more and more people have disabilities. People are having a better time understanding why having a disability ought not to sideline you entirely. So we had to wait for the, most of our society to get older for them to start to get us. Well. CAPTCHA is going to die its own death eventually because no sooner do they try to make CAPTCHA a tighter situation than the hackers have figured a way around it. And there's only so far they can take this whole type in the image or listen to this content because, again, the other software um, by those entities that are hacking into these systems are such that you just are barely keeping ahead of the bad guys, so to speak. So it's going to die its own natural death, but we don't want to be living without any interim. So especially if you hear yourself say CAPTCHA in a problem, email me and I'll get it to the committee. And once you see the new email list for the committee in the Braille Forum, again, start using that uh, as a way to communicate with us and one another. And this, go ahead. We were, we are going to, in once it's up and running and it's generally available and we tested it, it physically works, we will send out a periodic description of how we'd like the list to be used. I mean, the process Oh, that that's one of those things, like I said, um, we have a way, uh, a, a test document, if you will, that if you're having a problem with access to an iOS app, here's something you should send on to the developer, and we'll be sharing that through the list, okay? Uh, and, you know, it's, it's one of those template letters where it says insert name, you know, that kind of thing, but it's very powerful because it doesn't simply say go out and figure it out, I'm lying, I want to do this. It gives them some resources on how to make the right decisions relative to these things. Right. Would you be on a microphone, please? I don't have to. Wait, hold it. If you want to pass me the the mic. I'm reaching. Hold on a second. Karen, I apologize. I I didn't realize you were still with us. You were being so quiet back there. One moment. (laughs) I'm bringing you the wireless. Thank you. Home, I think I'm doing the wireless update. I guess I'm. I got it. Talking? There you go. Hello. I have a friend of mine who is a, uh, I call him kind of a computer genius. He's really in the computer world. Um, He knows a lot about many, many, many things. And uh, one night I got stuck on one of the websites and I said, oh, I'm going to be calling the company and and telling them I'm blind and and using a screen reader and a braille display. And um, that we need to do something to get their, because their system their situation is not, their website's not working real well for me. And he, he played devil's advocate, which I thought was really interesting, and he said, well, he said, it's really interesting, but, you know, all in all, if it doesn't work, they can turn around and say, who the heck cares, you know? Um, so what you going to do about it if they say, who the heck cares? You know, you're a minority, so what difference does it mean? And I'm going, oh, you know? But I think that's the, that's the attitude that some of these companies have. I got on another site one day, 
um, who I can tell you about later, but I got it and it was, I wanted to go to the next page and there was a close button, but the close button was not a button. There was no button or, or thing that you, uh, anything that said close. It was an X at the top of the page. You had to click the right X with the mouse. Okay, I couldn't get off the page. So that's not accessible to me. That, that is absolutely not accessible. And, and again, when we talk about um, this whole process of complaining, what is the motivation of a company to make themselves accessible? One, oh no, no, there absolutely are reasons. One, if you want to sell your service to government, it has to be accessible or government can't use your service. So if you identify that a given service or product is inaccessible and you notify the committee that I've attempted this and it's inaccessible, we can take a look at it, determine it's inaccessible, communicate with that company in the name of ACB and say, our members are complaining that your site is inaccessible as a result of XYZ, whatever that might be. And we want to inform you that that um, we are going to uh, be forced to communicate with the FCC or the whatever alphabet agency uh, that has jurisdiction over purchasing goods and or services from entities that are non-compliant. And I bet you we get some attention. You might not get attention because you're just, quote, just one person. There's also some very interesting studies we can share that talk about what, you know, when you say we're a minority, well, you know, almost all markets are actually a tapestry of niche markets put together for a company to have enough customers to justify creating something and selling something. You know, in, you know what all blind people have in common? They can't see. That's the only thing we all have in common. Other than that, we're as different as night and day. So the fact that we're all blind makes us a niche market. But it also means they're denying that service, in your case, to women. They're denying that service. What state are you from? Michigan. Michigan. You're, you're affecting your Michigan customers. Don't think of yourself as just a blind person, yeah. and that's the only thing. I'm just one person, and that's true of the whole group, like Michigan customers. And the other thing is, if they can't sell to me, they're not going to sell to anybody else who's visually impaired. That's right. So we, we'll be sharing over our list some of those articles and research things that describe the size of the disabled community in terms of market share, that kind of thing. I'm touching my Apple Watch again. And it said, now I'm not sure what means. Yeah. Come on. Ah, I bumped it earlier, and so it wanted to choose a new watch face. And uh, Mickey Mouse was just not doing it for me. Okay, so we're rapidly approaching the 4 o'clock hour, which is when we must shop, because ACB Radio's got to go on to newer and better things. Um, but I want to urge all of you to talk to all of your friends because needless to say, the vast majority of AC members are not sitting here right now, but they need to hear the same story. So please don't go away and talk to yourself about this. I, I urge individual action, absolutely. But your members of affiliates, talk to your affiliates about these kinds of things. We need to let the right people know that there are problems. The national office needs us to communicate with them so that they can determine that there's a pattern of process. Because if, if it's dealing with technology, the chair of the committee says, please email me so that we can see those patterns and follow up on those kinds of things. But we can't act on your behalf, in a void of lack of communication. We're here to listen, not just to talk. Well, we do want to thank you for being with us this week here on Main Menu and hope you'll join us back here again next week on Main Menu. You have a great week and 
we'll see you soon here on Main Menu.